Hey, good morning, New Life Downtown. It's great to see you this morning. If you are watching online, welcome. We love you. We hope that you're doing well. And if you're able, we hope to see you in person at some point in the future. If you are new or newer or visiting this morning, welcome. We are so glad that you are here. My name is Jason Jackson. I serve as one of the pastors here at New Life Downtown. And we would love to get to know you. We want to invite you, if you're new, to scan this code here and fill out one of our digital guest cards and then stop by the uh, audit, the, in the audit, the, what do you call that out there? The lobby, that's the word I'm looking for. Stop by the lobby, stop by our welcome center after the service. We have a gift for you. And we will invite you to come to New Life Next. New Life Next is kind of our newcomer's lunch that we do every so often here. We'd love to meet you, share a meal with you, and answer any questions that you have about the church. Our next one will be on September 10th at 11.45 at the Commons. Just by way of orientation for your New Life downtown is one of the eight congregations of New Life Church here in the city. Our mission as an entire church is to make disciples across the Pikes Peak region by calling people to worship, to connect, and serve. We are a non-denominational charismatic church that is deeply rooted in the historic practices of the faith. And so you're going to hear music and we're going to practice communion and liturgy this morning. Uh, so there's a lot that's going to be happening. Uh, but we want to invite you to stand and worship with us this morning. And as a way of turning our affections to Jesus, as a way of centering ourselves on his presence, as a way of bringing ourselves into his mission and his story and the worship of him that goes across the ages. We want to pray together the prayer that Jesus gave us, the prayer that he taught us. It's going to be here on the screen. So let's pray this prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's worship Jesus together this morning. Well, good morning, family. Let's put our hands together like this. We've come to worship the one who came to save, not to condemn, but to give us life. Let's sing it out. There is a Savior, there is a King, there is a power beyond defeat. This is the good news, His name is Jesus. All right, hands together like this. There is a healer, there is a friend, there is a mercy that never ends. This is the good news, his name is Jesus. And he deserves it all, so he said, and he said. Rejoice all you people, he raised. 
saying Psalm 50 let everything that has breath praise the Lord let everything that has breath we practice that today church let everything that has breath praise his name you gave us that breath Lord we give it back to you in worship in adoration we're breathing in your glory we're breathing in your wonders and we're breathing out your praise holy Lord we stand in awe You know, church, I think if we're not careful, there's a word that we'll lose in the language of the church and the words of reverence, reverence. I wonder if we could approach the Holy One in reverence today. In holy awe, in humility, in wonder, in fascination with the glory of God, with the wonders of God in creation, the wonders of God in salvation. Thank you, Lord. Just want to say Psalm 8 over and over again. Oh Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Can we say that together? How majestic is your name, oh God? How majestic is your name in all the earth? We come before you with all that we are today. 
Just as I am, empty-handed but alive in Your hands. You're singing, Majesty. together majesty Fragrance 
We join this morning with the great company of hosts of the heavens. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Heaven and earth are full, replete, filled up, overflowing with the glory of the presence of God. With your goodness, with your mercy, with your forgiveness, with your salvation, with your redemption, with your healing, with your help, with your power. Full. Help us to see it. <laughs> In any of the places today where we have question, we have doubt, we have worry, we have fear, we have need, where we're crying out to the Holy God, would you meet us today with all that you are? because we trust you. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, God of goodness and mercy, God of love and forgiveness, God of resurre resurrection and restoration. Meet us today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. You may be seated, church. And I wanted to give you a quick family update from us. Many of you know that about, uh, what was it, three and a half weeks ago now, my oldest daughter was rushed into uh, the hospital in Wichita, Kansas, where she was visiting uh, her grandparents. My mother-in-law is here today. Hi, Mom. Um, they were visiting grandparents, and my oldest daughter got rushed into the emergency room with a ruptured appendix that had uh, just infected her entire abdomen. Uh, we spent 12 days in the hospital uh, there getting the infection out and going through recovery. And we were able to be here last week and be back uh, home with you. Uh, and then she woke up Thursday morning um, in severe abdominal pain and vomiting. And so we took her to the emergency room at Children's Hospital uh, where she had to go through a five and a half hour surgery to uh, remove a blockage um, in her uh, small intestine um, and then remove more infection and then finally get the appendix uh, out as well. Um, so Sarah and Cora. We're watching online this morning. I'm here with the other two kids trying to help them keep as much of a normal schedule as uh, they can in the middle of the craziness and wanted to be here uh, with you all as well. But we're going to be in the hospital for a stretch. Um, again, probably seven to ten days uh, of recovery for her. And just want to thank you for all of your kindness to us uh, during this season and for all of your prayers. And just ask that you continue to pray uh, for full healing, uh, full restoration of uh, her strength and uh, just against any uh, additional infection or uh, additional obstructions in her, in her bowels. And so thank you for joining us uh, in, in prayer for all of that. We are so, so grateful to be a part of, the, of this family. And if you join me, I just want to pray for them right now. So Jesus, we entrust Cora to you once again. And crying out, please heal. Heal and restore her in every way. 
We pray against infection. We pray against any complications. We pray against anything that might come up against her and ask that you, the one who knit her together in her mother's womb, who is intimately acquainted with her in ways that we'll never be able to fully understand, that you would meet her in this time, that you bring full healing to her. She would know your presence. She would know your power. She would know your goodness. She would know your grace. She would know your deliverance. Give wisdom and strength to the whole team at Children's Hospital. Help Sarah and I and the kids and all of us, family and friends and church. Help us to know how to best care and to pray. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Thank you. I want to invite our Celebrate Recovery launch team up here. Um, almost, almost a year ago, I stood before you at our first congregational meeting and said one of the first things that we're going to do um, at New Life Downtown in the next year is we're going to launch Celebrate Recovery. And so this is Pastor Ken. Uh, Pastor Ken has been working, recruiting a team of amazing volunteers to help us launch CR here at New Life Downtown. And we're launching this Tuesday, uh, this Tuesday, doors open at 6, the gathering starts at 6.30, Celebrate Recovery is a Christ-centered recovery program for anyone struggling with a hurt, a habit, or a hang-up. In other words, something's happened to you in life and it's made things difficult. You've fallen into patterns of behaviors of things that you know, like having a hard time breaking out of, or there's just something in your life that you feel stuck in. That's all of us have hurts and habits and hang-ups. So CR is for everyone that wants to experience more of the fullness of God's presence and to learn how to walk in the freedom that comes in Jesus. And so I want to invite you to pray for them this morning and encourage you, if that describes you in any way, you have a hurt, a habit, or hang-up, and you're saying, I need freedom. I need healing. I need mercy. I need restoration. Come. Join in to this community of people seeking the freedom that comes from Jesus. So yeah, would you stretch out your hands toward this team? Team, you're amazing. (laughs) And I just want to say I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for the months that you've spent training and preparing for all of the prayers that you've prayed, for all the preparation that you've done. I am so excited to see what God is going to do in and through uh, the yes that you've given to him. And Pastor Ken, honor you today for the vision, heart, and passion that you have for this ministry and helping us to launch this here at New Life Town Time. Just stretch out your hands to them. Jesus, we thank you that you're the God who delivers. You're the God who sets free. You said that you have come that we might experience life and life to the full. You came to set us free from everything and bring us into, into the fullness of what it means to be human, what it means to experience the infilling of your spirit, the power of God, and the freedom that comes of walking in the way of Jesus. And we officially commission this group of volunteers, this team, to lead Celebrate Recovery Ministry a new life downtown for our church and for our city through what you've invested in them, through the power of your spirit, the grace of your gifts, the wisdom and training and all that they have received. We ask that you would use them 
in mighty ways to bring good to others and glory to you. We ask for greater freedom to come to our city because of their great yes to your faithfulness. Strengthen, empower, equip them, strengthen them in every way. We are so grateful. So Holy Spirit of God, fall on them and fill them with everything they need to lead others into your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Love you guys. Thank you. 6.30 this Wednesday. Come, invite others, spread the word about what's happened. They'll be meeting at Nueva Vida. Since we don't have a permanent building, Nueva Vida, our sister congregation, is opening their doors to us. Tuesday, 6.30, what did I say? Did I, Tuesday, forget what I said, Tuesday at 6.30 uh, is when the first meeting doors open at 6 o'clock. Uh, we're going to turn our attention now to our tithes and our offerings. We're able to do these kinds of things. Start sub recovery because of your generosity. There are four ways that you can give. You can give uh, online or via the app. If you're giving online or the app, please make sure you select New Life Downtown as your congregation. Or you can mail it in, or there's boxes out in uh, the lobby that you can add an offering to uh, there as well. Uh, earlier this summer, we announced the decision to go from two services at 9 and 11 to one service at 9.30 for the summer in order to beat the heat and to be together. Uh, we beat the heat, um, I think largely due to the fact that we got more rain than ever. <laughs> uh, and all the fans, we, we, and it's been incredible to be able to keep this uh, old building cool throughout the summer. Uh, grateful for that. And we have enjoyed being together. It has been incredible to have kind of one service, being able to see people and be all together. We experienced a greater sense of community and a greater sense of simplicity by doing one service. So we're going to stick with it for a while. Uh, our original plan was to go back to two September 10th, uh, but we're going to stick with one service for the foreseeable future as we grow and expand. And at some point, we'll either go into a building or we'll go back into two services. I just don't know when, uh, but I'll share more about kind of the rationale for it at our upcoming congregation meeting. So uh, a week from the Wednesday, we're going to have our next congregation meeting. It's going to be Wednesday, August 30th, 6.30. We're going to do it at New Life Midtown uh, and their new facilities so you can kind of see uh, what's possible when you move into a new building and uh, have permanent space. We're going to do that, and I'll share more about that decision uh, to move into, to stick with one service then. But one of the keys to one service, two service, building or no building is volunteers. Volunteers, you who volunteer in our church are the lifeblood of our congregation from all the ways that you serve and make everything happen on Sunday mornings and throughout the week. Uh, and going to one service increases a little bit of the need that we have in kids' ministry and student ministry so that volunteers can volunteer one Sunday a month and be here worshiping the other Sundays. So if you're not currently involved in a team volunteering, I just want to encourage you to prayerfully consider it today. Consider getting involved, serving inside of the church and I would just to tell you a little bit more about that, we've got this video uh, sharing some testimonies of people who served and how Jesus has met them there. Been a part of New Life Downtown since the beginning. We started coming to New Life Downtown about eight years ago. I have been a part of New Life Downtown for almost four years now. I've served in uh, like four teams. I first served with children's ministry 
My husband and I have served with the intercessory team and the communion team. I have been serving with New Life for a little over a year and a half. I serve on the welcome team and the teardown team, and I'm now jumping into the kids' ministry as well. My role, though it may be small, has a huge impact. I love serving communion and praying for people. It helps me to be connected with the body of Christ at the church. One of my greatest joys has been building community with church family where I know I'm loved and cared about. We really get to know each other and care for each other a lot. And um, it's been meaningful to walk through the doors and, and just know people. That um, enriches my experience so much. I love people. I, I, I get the greatest high in my life just being with people, enjoying people. But I like to meet people. I like to find out where they are, what they've been doing, how life has brought them here. We don't do church to people, we do church with people. And it gives a, an amazing opportunity for others to come along you know, and join in and practice their gifts and to, to do life with them, to do ministry with them, pray for them, follow up with them in the following weeks. They say it takes a village and I think it's no different here that there is something for um, any capability, any capacity, whether you have a half an hour a month or a few hours a month, um, there is something for everybody. You don't need to be a social butterfly to be the, on the welcome team. You don't need to be the Hulk to do tear down or set up. I think that there is something where everybody can jump in. I would encourage others to serve here at New Life Downtown and just being a part of something, taking ownership of the church and not just expect, expecting the church to meet your needs, but contributing rather than being a consumer. How can I contribute to make this church or this body what Christ would want it to be like? And that takes effort, it takes sacrifice, but it's, it's worth it, it's beautiful. And I think everybody has something to provide, something to give that God has given them and nobody else can fill that role. Amazing, amazing. We don't do church to people, we do church with people. That was amazing. So thank you to all you who volunteer. And if you're looking for an opportunity to get involved serving after the service, there will be tables outside uh, and food. So stop by, talk to our teams, find out more about what it means to serve. Uh, because of everything that my family went through this last week, I decided it would not be uh, good for me to try to preach this morning. Uh, so in just a few minutes after we read scripture, you're going to get to hear from a dear friend of mine, Jordan Lewis. Jordan serves, yeah. Some of you know Jordan. She serves on the pastoral team at New Life Friday night. She is a poet, a theologian, and just an incredible person. So Jordan, thank you for being here today. We want to honor you and your mom and dad and family that are here. Thank you. Well done, you guys. Well done. Well, let's turn our hearts now to the reading and receiving of God's word. Take a moment to still your hearts. And ask the Holy Spirit of God to speak to us today. Good morning. My name is Eric. Thank you. The Old Testament reading is found in Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. You are the one who created my innermost parts. You knit me together while I was still in my mother's womb. I give thanks to you that I was marvelously set apart. Your works are wonderful. I know that very well. My bones weren't hidden from you when I was being put together 
in a secret place when I was being woven together in the deep parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my embryo, and on your scroll every day was written that was being formed for me before any one of them had yet happened. The word of the Lord. Hello, my name is Ruth. The New Testament reading is found in Acts 4, 32 through 35. The community of believers was, in, was one in heart and mind. None of them would say, this is mine, about any of their possessions, but held everything in common. The apostles continued to bear powerful witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and an abundance of grace was at work among them all. There were no needy persons among them. Those who owned properties or houses would sell them, bring the proceeds from the sales, and place them in the care and under the authority of the apostles. Then it was distributed to anyone who was in need. The word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Allison. If you are able, please stand for the gospel reading found in Luke 10, 38 through 42. While Jesus and his disciples were traveling, Jesus entered a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him as a guest. She had a sister named Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his message. By contrast, Martha was so preoccupied with getting everything ready for their meal. So Martha came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to prepare the table all by myself? Tell her to help me. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part. It won't be taken away from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning. Please remain standing while I say a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, you are here in this room, and we receive and acknowledge your presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you were in this room before any of us even woke up this morning. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are stirring up our hearts, settling our souls, and embracing us in your presence. As the word is proclaimed forth from this side of the room to the other side of the room, from the people in this room to the people watching online, God, we say yes to what you want to do. We pray, Lord, that as the word is proclaimed, as your word is proclaimed, that you would make a tent for yourself and that you would race through our hearts with joy and that the heat of your love would transform us in amazing ways. We glorify you. We magnify you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. 
Well, good morning, New Life Downtown. As Pastor Jason mentioned, my name is Jordan Lewis. And if you are anywhere in the Friday night congregation, you will know that I'm called by my full government name, Jordan Victoria Lewis, which means I can't commit any crimes or do anything wrong because people will say, that's Jordan Victoria Lewis. She can't take an alias. She can't do anything. We know her full name. So, but you can just call me Jordan, which is awesome. Um, Before I begin, there are two families I would like to honor. The first family is my own family. They're sitting here in the second and third row. Um, My brother-in-law, Sean, is here, and today is his birthday. So happy birthday, Sean. (laughs) And I would also like to honor my father. He is turning 60 tomorrow. And my Aunt Barbara, Aunt Teresa, Uncle Herbert, Aunt Annette, Uncle Willie, Uncle Don, they all came into town from North Carolina and Texas to celebrate. So, yes, love y'all. So glad you're here. And also my older sister, my nephew, my brother. So I usually don't have an entourage, but today the Lewis family just decided to show up to be with y'all. So that's awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh gosh, that's great. And the second family I want to honor would be the Jackson family. When I first met Jason, I met him March 3rd of 2021 because I showed up to a preaching class that he and a couple of other pastors were hosting. And I hadn't had a chance to say hello to Jason. So our first interaction was Jason honoring me and respecting me as a poet by inviting me to share with our little class um, some of my insights and perspectives on scripture. So to be respected instantly was such a transformative experience for me. So I want to thank you for that. And Sarah, I just love her. Sarah, I miss you. She, my first sermon at New Life was actually with Sarah on May 13th of 2022. And Sarah, I'm sure would have preferred to be anywhere else or doing anything else than being on that stage. But she wanted to be on a panel with me to make sure that my first sermon at New Life, I didn't have to preach it alone. So y'all have amazing pastors. They are incredible, extraordinary people. And I just honor and respect you both. Um, If you don't mind, Jason and Sarah watching online, um, I have a quick word from the Lord for you. So 2 Kings chapter eight, it talks about how Gehazi was talking to the king and was telling him all of the exploits that Elisha did. And Elisha, or, um, Gehazi was saying, oh, Elisha did this, Elisha did that, Elisha did that. And there's a Shunammite woman, and Elisha raised her son from the dead. And so as he was telling the story, the Shunammite woman comes up, and the king says, tell me more about your family, tell me what the prophet has done for you. And as she was telling him the story, he says, restore to her everything that was taken from her in this time of famine and so she can be honored for what the prophet has done for her and for her testimony. So I want y'all to know in this time of hardship, in this time of deep grief, in this time of deep pain, you can expect Cora to have a full recovery. You can expect her to be healed and you can expect that everything that was taken from you in this time of famine will be returned to you for the glory of God. And with that, let's get into the word, shall we? 
So at Friday night where I'm a pastor, we did a summer series called The Necessity of Blank. And I got to share a word about the necessity of presence, the necessity of the presence of the Lord. And that is a deep life message for me. As I was praying for y'all this morning, I felt like this would be an invitation for New Life Downtown to dig a well, to dig a new well. In the Old Testament, they would have to dig wells because they were in Middle Eastern desert, and that's how they would get their water. So I feel like today is an interesting um, marker, um, an interesting divine appointment from the Lord for all of us. And I do believe it's been about a year, Jason, since you took over downtown, correct? So I believe it's a very prophetic timing um, from God just to dig a new well, and I think the foundation will be his presence. So that's the perspective I'm coming from. Before I begin, um, I love to read, and I am a cover-to-cover reader. So I will look at the cover of the book, I'll read the copyright page, the table of contents, the foreword, the preface, the intro, all the way to the end, the appendix, the acknowledgements, that is how I read. So this is a bit of a foreword. There are two things, um, for by way of context, that I need you to know about me. One is that I love the Lord, and I was made for the presence of God. So everything I do is oriented toward how I can acknowledge God's presence and how I can please the Lord. So sometimes that means that I'm very structured and organized because that's the best way to go. Sometimes that means I'm in a bit of a flow with the Spirit. And so today I'm sensing a bit of a flow with the Spirit. So for those of you who are used to order and structure, I promise I'll be practical. There will be points. You can take notes. It will be fine. Um, but just so you have, have a way of, okay, this is a little bit, gonna be a little bit different. The second thing I need you all to know is that I am a poet. Jason mentioned it. I'm a poet before I'm anything else. So the way poetry works, for those of you who are poetry lovers or poetry haters, it helps to know, okay, this is a poem and this is going to be a bit different. So I'm telling you, this sermon is going to be poetic in nature and it's going to be a little bit different. I want you to have an image in your mind of us taking a walk down a river. So it's not storming, there's nothing crazy happening. It's a beautiful summer day, much like today. And we're just taking a stroll as a community, as a family. Some of you, as I start at the jumping off point, you're just gonna stop at the top of the river and say, you know what? There's something I need to see here. That's the work of the Spirit. And if you need to check out because the Spirit is talking to you, do that. Some of you are gonna flow along with me as we're walking down the way, and you're gonna find a tire swing in the middle, and you're gonna be like, I wanna jump in the river, I wanna play here. Feel free to do that. Some of you are achievers, and you're like, I'm gonna go to the top and make it to the end, and we will walk that whole way. But for each of you, I really believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. And so it's not so much my words that you need, it is the Spirit's words that you need, and it's not an encounter with me that you need, it's an encounter with the Holy Spirit that you need. Some of you came into this room or are watching online with questions, with concerns, with frustrations. The person you are looking for is the person in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I really believe that the Spirit is determined to meet with you all today. Amen? Amen. As I read scripture, I am always curious about what happens when people encounter the Lord. Because there's something about the Lord where 
God isn't just nice. He isn't just a, oh, I love you, my sweet little muffin, and carry on with your life. God is wild. The word says he's an all-consuming fire. And as I read scripture, I've read the Bible from top to bottom, not because I'm a holy, but because I'm curious. And I want to see how the Lord works. And from Genesis to Revelation, anytime anybody encounters the Lord, whether they're trying to encounter him or not, it's always a transformative experience. This has been a challenge for me because I am a person of intensity, of deep impact, and I really care about, okay, God, I'm just gonna go for it and I'll see you later, right? For me, when I was 17 years old, I decided to go to business school because I love to give and I wanted to have a career where I could give a bunch of money away but not be stupid about it, right? So I went to business school. I studied international business at the University of Denver. I went on to get my MBA in finance. And then I had a career at Goldman Sachs. That's a big financial company for those of you who don't know. I had a career at Goldman Sachs. And then after my time at Goldman Sachs, which was about four years, the Lord slowly but surely started to pivot me and turn me away from this business career that I was pursuing into, well, here I am now on this stage. Still don't know how I got here. But there's something about the presence of the Lord that is absolutely transformative. And when Jesus died on the cross to save us, he didn't do it just so that we could have a nice life. He did it so that we could be transformed through the power of the Spirit and absolutely live a life devoted and dedicated to Him. So for some of you, that doesn't mean that you'll have a dramatic career change like I had, but it does mean that the Holy Spirit is not going to be um, content with just only a portion of your life. The Holy Spirit is, is determined to have all of your life. So when I think about the present, I think about from Genesis to Revelation, how we find God walking in the garden. How we find God when the Israelites were being saved from oppression and were in the wilderness. How he was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. I think about people like Obed-Edom in the Old Testament. Obed-Edom was a Philistine, but he encountered the presence of God, picked up his entire family, and devoted his entire life to being in the temple. This was one of David's enemies, said, forget my land and where I came from, I'm going to be in the presence of God. I think about Mary of Magdalene, who we'll talk about, where she sat at the feet of Jesus and was determined, I am going to break societal norms, I'm going to break culture, I'm going to do something unprecedented because I need to be with God. And then I think about Jesus, how he, nobody was busier than him, nobody had more to do than him, but he was like, I'm gonna sneak away and I'm gonna go be with God. Then I think about the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit is the one who fills our hearts and our souls to lead us to God, but also to swallow up loneliness, to swallow up confusion, and to replace all that's dead in us and make it alive. So presence isn't just necessary, presence is essential for how we live our lives. I think about Luke 10, verse 38 through 42, and it was read earlier, I'm gonna read it again. It says, now as they were on their way, Jesus entered a village, 
and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you were anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So when I think about presence, the necessity of presence, the first thing we need to start with is the presence of God. When we talk about the necessity of presence, we have to start with the presence that changes everything, which is the presence of God. When we find Mary and Martha in Luke 10, Martha is holding her own. She's awesome. She is taking care of Jesus, which we would think is the right thing to do. But Jesus' response to her is interesting when she asks for Mary to come help her. He says, Mary has chosen the thing that's most necessary. And in our lives, it's so easy to get caught up in what we're doing. It's so easy to get caught up in, well, for me, when I was doing my whole business thing, I was like, Lord, I'm doing this for you. Jesus, I'm gonna change the world for you. But I was easily getting distracted by doing things for God, forgetting that being with God is what life is actually about. That is what we were actually made for, is being with God. And only one thing is necessary. That doesn't mean that our motives or the plans that we have or the things that we're doing are bad. God has made us to bear fruit. We all have good works that he has planned in advance for us to do. It is an a, a order of priority. And it's easy to get swept up in prioritizing the things that we do for God. But we have to start with and prioritize being with God. That's the presence. What's incredible to me is that presence has a progression. And as I looked at Mary's life, we can find her in a few different accounts in scripture. The first is in Luke 10, like I mentioned, where she was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says one thing is necessary. Mary is doing the one thing. But it doesn't just end there. In Matthew's account, Matthew 26, 6 through 13, it says this. Now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. So in the first instance, we find her sitting at the feet of Jesus. And who knows, over the course of her time when she followed Jesus for those three years, what her other interactions of sitting at his feet were like. But we do know enough to know that she not only broke culture and tradition in her own home, sitting at Jesus' feet, she was so filled and empowered and emboldened by his presence and by who Jesus was 
that she broke into someone else's house to do something that was so, um, oh gosh, I don't know, so extravagant, so extraordinary. And again, people had a problem with it. People will have a problem with you when you are extravagant and radical for Jesus. It, it won't be accepted necessarily by the intellectuals in your life. It won't look like the traditional ways of doing things. Following Jesus is following a path that hasn't been walked before. The only person who's walked the path that you need to follow when you follow Jesus is Jesus. And so when Mary sits at Jesus' feet and then is so emboldened that she pours out her entire life, what the ointment that she poured out, some um, scholars say that that was like an entire year's worth of wages that she poured out on the, on the feet of Jesus. And the disciples had an issue with this. So it's like, you know, the Pharisees were like, you broke into my home and you're doing this crazy thing. The disciples were like, you should have just given it away to the poor. Things that would have been, well, tradition says this, or what would have been, you know, have more social impact is this. But nothing is more important than being extravagant with our entire lives, with our entire being toward Jesus. And that's what the story says about the, the necessity of presence, where it is the only thing that matters. And what I love about this story is that being in the presence of God makes us whole. Being present with God makes us whole. When you can turn your entire life away from the accomplishments, away from who your family is or where you come from or what you're doing or what you're going to do in order to embrace a life with God, there is a wholeness that comes with that. There is a boldness that comes with that. There is a way to glorify God that comes with that, and that is what we're looking for. Being present with God makes us whole. But I love that Mary's story doesn't just end there. She doesn't just sit at the feet of Jesus and then do this extravagant thing to pour oil on, our, to pour oil on his feet to prepare him for burial. We also see, see Mary when Jesus raises from the dead, and Mary is the first one at the tomb to take care of his body and she's the first one to encounter the resurrected Christ. So when we think about the presence, that is the transformative arc that it has. We start sitting at his feet, we move to doing extravagant things for him, and we see him in a way that no one else sees, and we, we can encounter him in a fresh way and proclaim that encounter to other people. That is, that is the arc that we are going for here. So we sit at his feet, we pour out our oil, we proclaim his resurrection. We sit at his feet, we pour out our oil, we proclaim his resurrection. That is the arc of the presence of God, and that's what we're being invited into. But for some of you, for my practical people who are trying to take notes, I'll, I will help you here. There are three ways that I think about doing this. So worship, the word, and our walk. Worship the word, and our walk. Worship rewires us. The word revives us. Our walk realigns us. Worship rewires us. The word revives us. Our walk realigns us. This worship with Micah, Aaron, it's amazing because no matter how we come into this room, when we worship the Lord, it refocuses us from the concerns and the trials of our lives, 
to God who is above every trial, every tribulation, every frustration. So our worship rewires us. As we spend time in the word, it revives us. There's a verse in Psalms where it says, you who seek God, let your heart revive. As you spend time in the word, your heart will well up with joy. Your heart will well up with strength. Your mind will be cleared. You want to spend time in the word of God because that will revive your heart. And then our walk realigns us. I don't know about y'all, but I love to just do stuff any type of way sometimes, where it's like, if it's left to me, I will just be like, oh, I'm just gonna do, do this. That person got on my nerves and I'm gonna give them a piece of my mind. Or like, oh, I'm gonna go do this thing, nobody will know. But as I walk with the Lord and keep in step with the Spirit, the word says those who walk with the wise will become wise. There isn't any wiser person you can walk with than the person of Jesus and the person of the Holy Spirit. So as we walk, we keep in line, we keep, it sets our path straight to do what the Lord is asking us to do. And so worship rewires us, the word revives us, our walk realigns us. So that's all nice and good. Mary, you know, sat at the feet, poured out the oil, proclaimed the resurrected Christ. We spend time in worship, spend time in the word, walk with God. But then what? Because the presence of God is such a fire. It's all consuming. It's so transformative. We aren't just contained in our own selves. As we spend time with God in his presence, it automatically flows out into the world and into the people around us. So when we are in the presence of God, from the presence of God, we are led into an encounter with other people. But first, we are led into a deeper encounter with ourselves. From the presence of God, we are led into a deeper encounter with ourselves. The self is the bridge from God to other people, and so many breakdowns happen because we ignore ourselves. The renowned mathematician Blaise Pascal said this, all human evil comes from a single cause, man's inability to sit still in a room. Think about that. How many times we have had to apologize to our family, to our spouses, to our friends, just because we didn't sleep well the night before, or just because we're hangry, or just because something else happened and we're projecting our anxiety onto someone else. When we are not present with ourselves, when we don't know what's happening in our hearts, it is really difficult to live um, in community with other people without like, them running up against our rough edges. And yes, the people in our lives have grace for us, but also the Holy Spirit is here to lead us into an, an encounter with ourselves so that we know what's in our hearts. Psalm 139 has one of the most terrifying scriptures if you ask me. Y'all didn't, but because I have a microphone, I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> Psalm 139, 23 and 24 says this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. Y'all, that verse terrifies me because I don't want to know what's in my heart. I know I have an attitude. I know I'm going to do the wrong thing. I know I get angry when I shouldn't be. So it's, it's, I was afraid of those verses because I just assumed that all that was in me was something dark and something negative and something terrible. And yes, our hearts do need to be cleansed, 
But as we are present with ourselves, we need to know what's in there. And I also will take David's word for it who wrote this Psalm because that man killed someone, had an affair, did all, had hundreds of wives, did all sorts of stuff because he didn't know what was in his heart. Those things that are in our hearts as we invite God to search us and know us aren't so that the Lord can tell us, this is also why you suck. This is also why you're the worst. This is also why you need to get it together. That's not what that is. It's to say, hey, I know that when you're struggling with this addiction, what you're actually saying is, I wish my dad hadn't left me when I was seven. When you are mean and angry and um, acting out against people, what you're really saying is, I feel isolated and lonely and I don't know how to ask for what I need. So as we sit with the Lord in his presence and as we are having an encounter with ourselves, those are the things that we get to search out in our hearts. But there, it's not only the dark side that we need to know. Psalm 139 also says this, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So in our hearts, there are also beautiful plans that God has for us. Each one of us were knitted and formed together with plans, with a story that God has written. And as we have an encounter with ourselves, as we're present with ourselves, that's also what we get to discover as well. So there are two ways, there are many ways that we can do this, but two ways that I've practiced, solitude and silence. Solitude and silence. I know that Sarah um, does a lot of uh, emotionally healthy groups here. Um, and if y'all haven't done Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, I highly recommend it. It has absolutely transformed my life through these two things, solitude and silence. The thing about solitude, I'm kind of an introvert. So I'm like, oh, I can spend time by myself. Like, that's not a big deal. But solitude and being alone aren't the same thing. And also, for those of you who have been afraid to step into solitude, solitude and loneliness are not the same thing either. Solitude just gives us the opportunity to see ourselves through God's eyes. Solitude gives us the opportunity to see ourselves through God's eyes. As we sit alone with ourselves, we aren't actually alone and we aren't lonely. We are getting to see God's perspective and to see ourselves how he sees us. So yes, other people help with that. Yes, there's accountability and discipleship and partnership and all of those amazing things. But there is something about the intimacy of being alone with yourself in the presence of God that really opens up different things that the Lord has to share just for you, almost like a secret that he wants to whisper just to you. For me, I'm a poet, and this is my poetry journal. So most nights, I will sit down at some point, light a candle, and write one poem for the day. And as I sit with the Lord and sit with myself, what stirs up in me in that space of solitude is usually a pain that I had in my heart that I didn't know I had from the day or a revelation from the Spirit that I didn't know I needed. And so for me, this is my practice. Some of you aren't journalers. You're like, I hate writing, I'll never do it, that's fine. For you, solitude may look like just sitting in the morning and having a cup of coffee or tea. 
or going on a long walk by yourself or going on a long drive. It doesn't matter exactly what your solitude looks like. It's just a time for you to sit, just you and the Lord, and to be with the Lord to see yourself. The other thing is silence. Silence makes space for the Spirit. Silence makes space for the Spirit. Pete Scazzaro, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, has a practice where it's two minutes of silence. So you start two minutes, have a, um, he has a little devotional, and then you end with two minutes. When I first did the course, I could not sit in silence for the two minutes. I could do maybe 30 seconds before I would start to shake. My mind was racing. I had so much happening in my thoughts that it was really disorienting for me and uncomfortable for me to sit in that silence. But as I worked my way up to it, I have found that the Holy Spirit within me was just trying to reveal to me, hey, I'm here. Hey, I care about you. And as you're running around doing a zillion different things for me and not with me, or as you're caught up in your own life or in your own way, you are missing my embrace. You are missing my presence. So in the silence, I didn't find this self-hatred, accusatory voice that I thought I would find. I encountered a God who loves me, a God who cares about me, and a God who is for me. So as you sit in silence, what you will find is that the Spirit is going to take care of you. The Spirit is going to speak peace to you. The Spirit is going to settle you. The Spirit is going to make sure you aren't afraid. So the silence that makes space for the Spirit, again, you won't, if you hear an accusatory voice or a critical voice, you know right there that is not the voice of the Lord. It is not the voice of the Lord. But as you hear affirmation and hear a word of comfort or just feel like your body is able to settle in different ways, that is the presence of the Lord. And for me, the solitude and the silence, that makes space for me to be steady. So being present with God makes us whole, but being present with ourselves makes us steady. So for some of you, you have just kind of have felt scrambled in your mind. You're going back and forth. You're going this way and that way. Being present with yourself through solitude and silence will steady you in the way that you've been looking for. But then what? So we can be present with the Lord. We can be present with ourselves. But then there's also the delight of being present with others. The great poet and environmentalist Wendell Berry put it this way. We enter solitude in which also we lose loneliness. True solitude is found in the wild places where one is without human obligation. One's inner voice becomes audible. One feels the attraction of one's most intimate sources. In consequence, one responds more clearly to other lives. The more coherent one becomes within oneself as a creature, the more fully one enters in community communion of all creatures. I'll read that again. The more coherent one becomes within oneself as a creature, the more fully one enters into the communion of all creatures. And that's what so many of us desire, is to be in communion with each other. So we devote ourselves to God, which makes us whole. We make a practice of being present with ourselves, which makes us steady. And then we enter into being present with others, which helps us endure.
Life is short, but the journey is long, and no one makes it alone. No one makes it alone. So many of the best things in the Bible happened when people were together. Of course, a lot of shenanigans and tomfoolery happened when people were together, but that is a sermon for another day that Jason will preach. But the good things that happen when people are together, I think about Acts chapter 2, where the disciples were all together in one place, and then the presence of the Holy Spirit fell, and they received power that they hadn't encountered before. The New Testament reading earlier in Acts chapter 4, they were all together sharing their resources, being in community, helping each other, and great works were done among them because there was togetherness. I sense that so strongly with the community that y'all have here at downtown. There is power that happens in togetherness, and none of you have to go through life alone. Hebrews 10 talks about don't forsake the assembling together of yourselves or the gathering together of yourselves. And Psalm 133 talks about how blessed it is when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. So there's something incredible that God has with us being present with each other. I think about this with my own family, where they're all here in town to celebrate my dad turning 60 tomorrow. And there is something so extraordinary and extravagant about family legacy, whether family that you're born into, like I was born into this family, also but the family that you're making and choosing each other. But what's amazing to me is my uncles and my aunts could have said, oh, our baby brother, my dad's the youngest, so our baby brother's turning 60 and like, they could have just called him or texted him, and my dad's so chill, he would have been so happy with that, you know? But they said, there's nothing more important than family, and there's nothing more important than being present with each other. My family, so my um, grandpa passed away uh, about 15 years ago, I was 16, and my grandmother just passed away four years ago. So since then, my Uncle Herbert, who's sitting here, has really gone out of his way to give us times for our family to be together. We just had a family reunion back in June, um, they've been doing all sorts of things. Uh, my Uncle Herbert has been, you know, doing all this ancestry DNA and building a family tree and doing all this stuff, um, which is awesome. But there's something about them being here, which is significant and which is holy, because that's what life is about, being present with others. Whether I'm blessed to be born into a family I want to be present with, some of you, you're like, my family just gets on my last nerve, so I don't want to be with them at all. Others of you have really traumatic and horrible stories where it literally would not be safe for you to be present with your family. And I honor and respect that. All I'm saying is choose someone. Our family, we have chosen each other. They chose to be with my father. We get, they chose to come here out of their way. They could have been anywhere this morning, but they chose to come be with me. Choose someone because being present with others is a gift from the Lord. I think about my father, I'm just gonna honor him for a second. I was born at one pound, 11 ounces, 32 years ago, three months premature. The, you know, my mom was doing great, you know, everything was going well. Um, but one day, about six months into her pregnancy, she looked at my dad and she said, I think something's wrong. Something is off here. She went to the hospital, my dad took her to the emergency room. And from the emergency room, she had to flight to life from Colorado Springs to Fitzsimmons um, up in Aurora in Denver. 
And my dad was the first one at the hospital at 6 a.m., doors open. My dad was there waiting for them to unlock the door to let him in. My dad was the last one to leave. And all those years, 32 years ago, my dad has never left my side any day since that first day when I was in trouble and my dad rushed my mom to the hospital. That saved my life. I think about when I was licensed, ordained as a pastor um, several months ago. My dad was there and laid hands on me to pray me in and to say, as your father, I bless you into the ministry that the Lord has called you into. I will never forget that. Being present with others is transformative. My dad has absolutely saved my life and changed my life. That is the effect, whether you know it or not, that you have on others. Showing up for people, showing up for your family, showing up for your friends, because presence is what changes everything. I'll put it this way, being present with others helps us endure. Being present with others helps us endure. And that's what I want for y'all. No one makes it alone. No one makes it through life alone. But you can make it to the end by being present with other people, by choosing people that you can be present with. But also thinking about who has been present with you. Like I mentioned my father and my family, but each of you as you sit here know stories of people who have showed up for you in your time of greatest need or shown up for you in your times of great joy, which is just really extraordinary. I'll invite the band to come back up. But as I close, I wanted to take a moment to share a poem with you all that I wrote. Because what I feel more than anything is yes, you can be present with the Lord. And yes, you can be present with yourself. And yes, you can be present with others. But I feel that the Lord doesn't, doesn't just want you to have a good framework or a good way of thinking about things and three nice points that you'll remember. I really believe the Lord wants to encounter you in a different and fresh way. So the poem that I wanna share with you is one I wrote years ago when I was not um, okay with the Lord. I had so much happening. I lived in Utah at the time. I was in the middle of my corporate life and my soul was deteriorating and falling apart. I was leading a Bible study um, at the time and I ran in from work. I had a horrible work day, ran into work, was like, what am I gonna tell these girls? What am I gonna do? I just felt chaotic and stressed out. And my fire alarm in my apartment started to go off. And I, like, nothing was on fire, nothing had happened. It just went berserk. And I'm ashamed to admit this, so do not judge me. But I was so overwhelmed with my life that I was like, I don't even know how to deal with this. So I just left my apartment. Like, let the fire alarm just keep going and just left. I'm like, I can't, I can't deal with this. So as I was sitting um, at this coffee shop, feeling ashamed of myself that I just made my poor neighbors deal with whatever the fire alarm situation was. I'm like, they can call the fire department. I won't do it. Like, I, I was just not in a good place. I sat with the Lord and I wrote this poem. It says this, Lord, you are the best soulmate. Can I return the beauty? The gentle pad of your footsteps beside me. Sometimes the hard thud of you running to catch me.
you lose all dignity when it comes to me. How can you, O infinite, enjoy me? Me, who you know intimately. Me, of whom each thread you wove meticulously, savoring each individual one. Memorizing the fibers and phrase, I become braille. You trace me in my darkness many times, have learned the sound of my breathing when I hide, have topographically mapped the terrains of hell, blindfolded yourself and made the trek, so when I go there, you're familiar. You trace my steps, lines you've drawn many times. Love like this knows no distance, only proximity. You are never far behind. You have the courage to be a fool. You're the one everyone shakes their heads at, but you never seem to notice. Your eyes only search for mine. Zeal all-consuming, you have no regard for the idiocy of your decision. You are full of hope every time. Confident of your love's gravitational pull, I'm reeled in slowly until my final days. God is the one who turns the ashes of our lives into beauty. And I believe that as you encounter his presence, that is what he is going to do for each and every one of you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, my friends. And the God of presence in Trinity and unity in himself an incarnate Emmanuel God with us, the God of hosts who invites us again to his presence. We believe that as we come, that this is Jesus' table and all who believe in Jesus as the true king of the world are welcome to receive regardless of your church background or affiliation. That that doesn't describe you and where you're at today. Thank you for coming. We're honored that you're here and we encourage you to keep asking questions about Jesus. Keep coming back. If you are ready, though, to begin following Jesus, today for the first time or the first time in a long time, we invite you to join with us as we confess our sin and ask for forgiveness and trust him for salvation yet again. Our words of confession will come up on the screen. Let's say this together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought and word and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Love it. It is my joy this morning to announce good news to you. Words that are true, not because I say them, but because of what God has done. So would you open up your hands and receive again the mercy of God. That Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. And this proves God's love toward us. That in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. The peace of the Lord be with you. As those who have been raised to new life with Jesus, would you stand together right now and greet those around you and share the peace that you have in Jesus with one another?
And beloved, we declare that this is true, that is, even as we've preached today, his presence is wishless. Jesus is here. So lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord, our God. It is right all over this room. We lift you the praise. Oh, present God, we praise you. It is a good and joyful thing to give you thanks, Father Almighty. You are the one who formed us in your image, and you breathes your life into us. When our love has failed, your love remains steadfast. When we were unfaithful, you sent your son to be present and faithful on our behalf. And remember that on these words, that on the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had blessed it, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup of wine. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of God's mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we proclaim together this mystery of our faith, that Christ has died, that Christ is risen, and that Christ will come again. This table is a place of remembrance and a place of encounter of God's presence. So let's sing this prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to meet us here this morning. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit. invite the ushers up. These are the gifts of God given for us, the people of God.